If anyone should ask, you're listening to Federal Andy. Episode 178, A Tale of Bad Customer Service. Hello friends, this is Andy. I hope you're doing well, and I hope the weather is better in your location than it is in mine because once again we are having a thunderstorm and that means I'm recording on my cell phone so I apologize for the audio I didn't want to hook up my mic and all of the things that require electricity because we are experiencing some thunder and lightning a little bit of rain right now not pouring, but I assume we're going to be getting more later. And we've already had kind of a, it's not really a power fluctuation. It's more like a mini brownout where the power just, just for a split second, it just kind of, everything dimmed a little and it came right back. So I didn't want to plug a bunch of electrical stuff in, but I did want to record a podcast episode because it's been such a long time. I'm still kind of uh, stuck in the situation where the weather is not being cooperative and we have still had a few outages with uh, the internet, which I kind of need to do the podcast. So my apologies for that. In this episode, I thought I would talk about my customer service experience with corporate America during this storm that we had a week ago, because I think it kind of signifies how corporate America truly feels about its customers, or at least one company in particular. So if you want to listen to me gripe about customer service and corporate America for just a little bit, Stay tuned. If you listened to my last episode, number 177, you know about the storm that blew through my area a little over a week ago. It came through in the early, early, early morning hours of Sunday, literally like 12.08 a.m. or something like that. 90 to 100 mile an hour winds caused a great deal of damage across the city. If you hear thunder in the background, we do have a thunderstorm right now. So uh, my apologies, but Mother Nature is, I think, a little unhappy with humanity right now or human beings. (laughs) human beings and their lack of humanity, I guess I should say. So 
we didn't have power for about eight hours. And of course, without electricity, our internet provider went down. We have one company that we have bundled cable, television, digital, landline, telephone, and internet. So around eight o'clock on Sunday morning, the power came back on, thank goodness. And if I had a choice between having electricity and having cable TV or internet or whatever, obviously I would pick electricity because without electricity, it doesn't matter if you have internet, it's not going to work because the modems obviously need electricity. And it was hot and humid, and so I was thankful for air conditioning. But we didn't know when to expect the rest of our services to be restored. And the company that we have for our electricity is the only one that we can buy electricity from. Our... (laughs) Uh, capitalism is supposed to provide competition. We don't have any competition for electricity. I have one company to purchase electricity from, and that's it. So we're basically being held hostage by this company. And I think, if I recall correctly, they have in the city uh, this one company, they're there are some other companies that have that provide power in other parts of the city, but the part I live in is is just one, and they have a total of I think five hundred and sixty thousand customers, if I recall correctly, and of those, somewhere in the neighborhood of one hundred and seventy to one hundred and eighty thousand were without power because of this storm. So, again, I'm thankful that the power company got the power back on for us, but there were people in the city that, well, I think even today there's still a few that don't have power. It's my understanding that we had crews coming in from as far away as New Jersey and Delaware to help restore power. And the electric company had an outage map available online that showed exactly which areas of the city didn't have power and it was all color-coded and it showed how many customers were without power in that particular area. So at least you had a little information and it did provide a total number of customers that uh, needed to have their power restored. And so you could go back and check the map and you could see the progress, which at least that's something. The company that provides our internet, cable, television, and our digital landline phones, however, has absolutely horrible, horrible customer service. And I'm not going to, I guess, mention their name. I'll just tell you it starts with a C, and it's a three-letter word. So that ought to narrow it down for a lot of you. But uh, we have an app on the phone for this company. And through the app, you can 
change your services and pay your monthly bill. And you can check on things like outages normally. So when the power came back on sometime during the day on Sunday, I checked this app for our communications company. And I'll tell you right now, for a communications company, this company does not know how to communicate, period. There's no question about it. So, what, uh, what they did is they put up a red box on your app when you log in. And the text in this red box said something to the effect of, we are aware of a weather event in your area. Our teams are currently assessing the situation and will advise you on the next steps as soon as possible. And that's not verbatim, but that's... Uh, next steps and teams assessing. That was part of the message. It was very, I thought, very oddly worded. And that message appeared sometime during the day on Sunday. So that appeared on the first day of the outage. And it never changed. That's the message they had on Monday and Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday. Doesn't really provide you with much information. Their teams are out assessing the situation for five days, and no updates, really. So after not being able to get any additional information, the local news stations weren't providing any information from this company either. They were providing updates from the electric companies. Uh, as I said, there are several in the metro area where I live, and they were all providing information to their customers through the media. So on Monday, I went into the app for my communications company that doesn't communicate and went into the uh, texting back and forth thing, the live chat. And it's really obvious that the initial response you get to your message is basically, uh, I think, an auto generated message. There were a couple of times that it said that I needed to, it didn't understand, and that I needed to use as few words as possible. So after I received that message a couple of times, I typed in live agent. And it understood that and cheerfully told me that it was connecting me to a live customer service specialist who would be happy to help me. And all I really wanted to know was if they had an ETA, when we could expect service to be restored. And this agent said uh, they would check 
and they came back and said 9 p.m. Maybe I should have asked them 9 p.m. tonight, 9 p.m. tomorrow night, 9 p.m. a week from now. <laughs> anyway, I said thank you, and that was that. Well, 9 p.m. came and went, and of course, no service. And the same was true for 9 p.m. on Tuesday night, and 9 p.m. on Wednesday night, and 9 p.m. on Thursday night, and 9 p.m. on Friday night. During this time, their message never changed. It was the same warning or alert message that they put up on Sunday morning. Same thing. No changes at all. So at some point during that week, I think it may have been Thursday, still no services other than we did, once our power came on, it did stay on, thank goodness. But I thought that I would call the customer service at my communications company that doesn't know how to communicate or doesn't want to communicate or doesn't care to communicate with customers and I figured I'd ask a live agent on the phone. So you have to go through the gauntlet, of course, before they allow you the privilege of speaking to someone. You have to put in all of your numbers and your passcode and all of that stuff. And then it asks you if you need help with your bill, if you need to change or add services, and that rumble you hear in the background is thunder. So Mother Nature is alive and well. <laughs> um, and then, you know, once you tell it that you have troubleshooting or you need to talk to someone in uh, service or repair or whatever, then they want to know, is it internet, is it cable TV, or is it digital phone, or I think now they've added mobile service. Heaven help people with mobile service with them. And I selected that, and then I got another recording, a very rude recording that basically said, look, if you're calling because you don't have service, Talking to one of our customer service agents will not help you any because they don't know when your service is going to be restored. And it wasn't even a really a nice message. It was, it was a man's voice, and it was actually kind of, I took it as being very rude. It's kind of like, don't bother our customer service agents with your problem. That's the way I took it. And another person who lives in my neighborhood apparently took it the same way because residents, neighbors were talking about not having service and somebody else commented that they got the rude message as well. So on Friday afternoon, we did get 
services back for a few hours, I was able to catch up on a few things. And we sat down to watch a movie Friday evening, and about 10 minutes into the movie, it went down again. And it remained down the rest of Friday night and came back online. Apparently, at some point on Saturday in the early morning hours. So, we tried to watch a movie again on Saturday night. And I was, oh gosh, probably better than halfway through the movie, probably three quarters of the way through the movie. And all of a sudden, our cable TV box just decides to reset itself. <laughs> and the cable box that we have takes about 20 minutes to reboot. It is slow. And at that point, the movie was probably almost over, so I was not happy. So we'll see what kind of a credit they give uh, me on the phone bill. If they don't do it automatically, they're going to get a call because uh, you pay for 24-7 service. If you don't get it, they shouldn't charge you for it. And I am kind of thinking about writing a letter to the FCC because their service is just awful. Now, they do have people on social media that will respond, and they're very polite, and they're always wanting you to uh, contact them, send them a private message uh, with your information so they can look into it. But... <sighs> The thing is, is you never see anybody saying, oh, thank you for fixing this for me. That's all that ever happens is they offer to send a private message, and that's that. Now, maybe they are fixing stuff. I kind of doubt it because I've seen posts from people where they come back later and say, by the way, you know, my service is still not working, or it still isn't working properly. So... You kind of wonder if they're really doing anything. But the fact that they have an app that they encourage people to download and they encourage people to use, and they refer you to their app for current information and the latest information, and then they don't update it for five days, six days during a power outage or a service outage? <laughs> Come on. I did see where somebody from Cox posted, we do have to have power in certain parts of the city for our facilities to work. And if, if our facilities don't have power in your area, you won't have service. So we may be waiting for the electric company to finish its work, which is fine. And I totally understand that. But my part of town, there was uh, within like a mile in each direction Everybody had service except for one little sliver. And if that's the case, they ought to update the app and tell people that. Normally in the past, when we've had a service outage, you can go into the app and it would say, we're aware of a service outage in your area, our crews are working on it, and we should have you back online by 
7 p.m. or something like that. And most of the time, they have us back online before they say they're going to. But this storm was, was not a good experience because we were in the basement when the storm hit. I heard the house making noises that I have never heard it making before. The power went out. We did not have cell phone service. We didn't have any services at all. So if something had actually happened, we would have had to wait for the, I guess it's the fire department to come looking for us because the fire department has our basement registered as uh, it's basically like a storm shelter. So they know if there's damage in the area that that area needs to be checked in case we're trapped down there. And I will admit, I need to put some water down there and things like that so that if we do have an emergency, we're better prepared. But uh, <laughs> I'm still trying to get things done on the house from uh, the last 10 years since we bought it that uh, we still haven't gotten around to tending to, and uh, the basement is one of those things, but uh, it's not as high on the list as, as some of the other things. So, what's your experience been with corporate America? Do you think that they bend over backwards to provide good service to their customers? I really think that if we had more competition in the area, service could be better. I do have other choices for cable television or streaming television and for internet as well as landline telephone. But one of those companies is, uh, I will mention their name, is AT&T. And I am a former customer of AT&T's and due to some really awful customer service issues in the past with AT&T, I swore I would never, ever, ever give them any of my business again. And that was back in 2003. And I've held to that since then. So uh, for 20 years, that's, uh, uh, that has been the case. And I don't plan on changing any time soon. I should also tell you that at the beginning of this particular segment, there is a, an edit that isn't very clean, and that is because there was something going on with my phone. It kind of lost its signal or connectivity or something at one point. So my apologies for that. I tried to repair it as well as I can, but I'm still edit challenged so it will hopefully improve as I get more uh, become more accustomed to this uh, software that I'm using. Now of course this period the last couple of weeks or few weeks where I haven't been in a position to record episodes on a regular basis. 
there's been a lot going on in the news. And I will discuss a lot of this in future episodes if I can get back up and running again the way I would like to. But I thought I'd comment on a couple of things that have come to light recently. We learned that the FBI and the Department of Justice was hesitant to open an investigation into Donald Trump and the January 6th domestic terrorist attack on the country by Donald Trump's supporters because they were concerned about it appearing to be political. So in the process of not wanting to appear to be political with an investigation or the lack of an investigation, they actually became political. I have to tell you, I am not happy with Merrick Garland at all. I had heard so many good things about him by people who had worked with him in the past. They all said he was a man of integrity, a person who operated by the book. And I thought, great, that's exactly what we need with an attorney general, especially after having William Barr, who was a crook and a liar, and was a crook and a liar back during the George H.W. Bush era when he advised Bush to just pardon everyone in the Iran-Contra scandal. Just make it go away, which, of course, Bush did. So, Barr's been a crook for a long time. And you want to talk about weaponization of government agencies? <laughs> How about during the Trump era, folks? Yeah. So, Merrick Garland just basically did nothing. The January 6th committee in the House of Representatives started doing their investigation. And I think they did a very nice job. The big objection that I have is that they agreed with Liz Cheney's demand that they would not investigate her Republican cohorts, many of whom were apparently involved in the January 6th insurrection or domestic terrorist attack, as, as I call it, because that's what it was, in my opinion. And a lot of the folks in Congress apparently were prepared to work with the false electors in a few states to flip the outcome of the 2020 presidential election and toss it to Donald Trump. 
that's my big objection with the January 6th committee. I think they should have said we're not going to make exceptions like that up front. If the roads lead to some of your fellow Republicans in the House or in the Senate, and if they were involved in illegal activities, we're going to look into it. Maybe at that point she would have not wanted to be on that committee. I don't know. But I think you cannot start making exceptions to things like that at the beginning of an investigation. And when the January 6th committee began airing some of their hearings on television and the American people started to see and hear (laughs) things that we weren't privy to prior to that, it put pressure on Merrick Garland and the Department of Justice to, yeah, you know, maybe we ought to look into some of this stuff. Some of this stuff seems like it uh, might be uh, illegal or unconstitutional or uh, uh, something, huh? Yeah. But apparently, the real impetus for Merrick Garland to kick it into gear and get involved was when Donald Trump announced his candidacy to run for the presidency for the third time. And that, of course, is when Merrick Garland chose Jack Smith as a special counsel to lead the investigations into Donald Trump and everybody else. But what is problematic for me is that literally a year was wasted when virtually nothing was going on. And President Biden, why is Christopher Wray still head of the FBI? Why? With all of the evidence that we've heard about the FBI knowing that January 6th, 2021 was going to be a bigger deal than we were originally told, and with the FBI not willing to investigate things, and he's a Trump appointee. How many Trump appointees have been good appointees? We already know that a lot of his judges that he put on the bench for lifetime careers were unqualified. How about Judge Aileen Cannon down there in Florida, who is going to be sitting and presiding over the documents, the top secret documents case? Hello? What the hell? I just don't think America should be stuck with these horrible people. I think Joe Biden made a bad decision when he selected Merrick Garland. And <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I would say it would be it's time to put someone else in that position. But I think at this point that might delay things. And I don't want that. But I definitely think Joe Biden needs to 
have a chat with Merrick, and I know Joe doesn't want to be involved in what's going on with the Department of Justice and shouldn't be involved as far as what they're doing, but I do think he needs to tell Merrick um, this delay in investigating all of this stuff has kind of put us behind by a year, and we have an election coming up in just a little over a year, and I just really wonder how all this is going to work out because we already know that Donald Trump has a trial scheduled down in Florida on the top secret documents case. And that is supposed to begin in December, I believe. And then E. Jean Carroll's lawsuit is, I believe, January. We haven't heard from Fonnie Willis yet, but we should probably in the next, what, 30 to 60 some odd days. Uh, so if she indicts Trump in Georgia, there's going to be another trial. And, you know, there's certainly has to be something about the January 6th insurrection and the failed coup to overthrow our government. So that's going to be another trial. That'll be out of Washington, D.C., because that's where all of that happened. And we have seen and heard now evidence that there were some things happening at Trump's Bedminster um, uh, Golf Club in New Jersey. So possibly another trial in New Jersey? I don't know. And he's going to be on the campaign trail? These uh, cases that are criminal cases, Donald Trump has to be there for them. He, he, I guess he doesn't need to show up for E. Jean Carroll because it's a civil thing. But if it's a criminal trial, the defendant has to be there in person. So are we going to delay trial, delay justice to not appear political? If you ask me what Donald Trump did, seems political. <laughs> it was based in politics. He's wanting to now cover his own butt for his crimes by becoming president and hopefully can just pardon everybody, including himself, which we're not really sure that he can do that. So, I don't know, it's a mess, but I'm very disappointed in Merrick Garland. I had high hopes for him originally, and based on everything people said about him, in the early months of his tenure at the Department of Justice, I, I had high hopes that he was going to turn out to be a really good attorney general. And now we find out that he's, <laughs> uh, I don't know, not quite spineless, but close to it. And Christopher Ray. Again, President Biden, what the heck is going on? Why in the world is Christopher Wray still head of the FBI? Get rid of 
him. Good grief. And on that note, I'm going to go ahead and let you go. I appreciate you listening to me gritch around a little bit. I see that the wind is kicking up a little, which um, high winds are kind of normal for the part of the country that I live in. But after the 100 mile an hour windstorm from a week ago, uh, I'm kind of concerned that there might be some weak tree limbs or things like that that we haven't had the opportunity to have checked yet because all of the tree people obviously are very, very busy right now. And uh, I paid to have our landscape crew clean up our yard last, uh, let's see, they came out on Wednesday morning after the storm on Sunday and cleaned up the yard And then on Wednesday afternoon, about three to four hours after they left, we had another little storm come through with some wind, and it just trashed my yard again. And they showed up this morning to do the normal um, lawn service, mowing and edging and all of that. And I said, uh, it needs to be cleaned up again before you guys do any of that. So they decided that they would go ahead and do another account that just was a regular uh, lawn maintenance account and then come back tomorrow or the day after to clean up the yard yet again. So hopefully after this little storm passes through, we can go for a little bit without storms. I wouldn't mind having some rain, but the storms are, I'm tired of the storms and the wind right now. So at any rate, thank you for listening I hope you have a great day wherever you are, unless you have other plans. And as always, I very much appreciate your time. And I realize that that is a very important thing. So when you take the time to listen to my podcast, I really very much appreciate it. Take care, and I will hopefully talk to you again soon. The next scheduled episode of Federal Andy is going to be later this week, probably. Uh, just, I'm not sure at this point, but I will definitely get something out as soon as I can. And thank you again for your patience. Thank you for listening. I would be grateful to you if you'd subscribe and share this podcast to let your friends and family know about it. You can also find me on Twitter at FederalAndy, and I'd be really grateful if you would follow me. I usually follow back. Be happy, safe, and healthy, and I'll hopefully be talking to you again next week. Mm